I want you to remember uh, a time when you stepped outside and looked into the night sky. Looked into the stars and you beheld the heavens. Can you remember just one day, one night in history that, that catches your, your mind now? That when you looked up into the stars and you went, wow, wow. How glorious. Coldplay wrote the song, A Sky Full of Stars. And look, the stars are quite something. I'm going to, there we go, we're going to work from here. The stars are something. If we ever wander into the countryside at a dark night and we look up at the stars, behold God. Behold God and his glory. And there was a moment in history when God took Abraham outside to look up at the stars. Genesis 15 verse 5 says he took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. You're one of those stars if you believe in Jesus. That's what God is teaching Abraham in that moment of history as he walked out of his tent and looked up at the stars. And God says, Abraham, see those stars? That's your family. Remember back to last week, if you were here, uh, we looked at the beginning of Romans chapter 4. Uh, of course, it's a, it's a whole section. We've just split it into two. Uh, so it's worth going back and thinking, backtracking a little bit and thinking about what we looked at. Paul is saying that it's all about faith. And we all have faith. Uh, perhaps you're here uh, this afternoon and you're thinking, well, it can't all be about faith because I don't have faith. Uh, and the Bible says, yes, you do have faith. Yes, of course you have faith. We all have faith. If it's not in the gospel of Jesus Christ, then it's in something else. You put your trust in something. It might be your own intuition. It might be your own reasoning. It might be your own understanding. It's yourself, your own philosophy of life. But it's faith. You trust in it. You build your life upon it. We all have faith. And for the Christians in Rome, for whom Paul is writing to... He says that it's all about faith. Dear Christian in Rome, in the house church in Rome, it's all about what you put your trust in. It's that that matters. Remember the first uh, few verses, verses 1 to 8 of Romans 4. We said, faith not in what you do. Paul is saying when God create, credited him as righteous, he wasn't rewarding him as an obligation. Do you remember? He wasn't saying, Abraham, how much great faith you have, Abraham. Wonderful. Here's my obligation to you. I will credit you with a right standing before me. No. Remember what we said? God was giving him a gift, utterly unmerited not worked for, not deserved. Do you remember the Xbox that Vinny gave me? It wasn't because of my speedy reflexes, quick thinking. It meant that Vinny came up to me one day in church and says, I'm obliged to give you this, Lanks. No, it's a gift. Totally unmerited. 
still in its box. And it will be used for me once the little ones understand how to use it. But it's a free gift. A complete free gift. I did not deserve it. I didn't earn it. I didn't work towards it. Vinny was not obliged to give it to me. And this is what Paul is saying to the Christians in Rome. Faith, not in what you do. You can't work towards a right standing with God. Faith is in what God has done already. And then we looked at verses 9 to 12. Faith not in who you are. Paul is saying circumcision. Do you know what circumcision is? Dear converted Jew in Rome. Circumcision marked out the people of God. It acted as a sign. But you don't trust in the sign. Verse 11, and he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. You see, circumcision didn't contribute to anything. It's just a sign, just a a seal of the inner reality of faith that brought salvation to him. And we said it is like the Iron Man tattoo, do you remember The tattoo that uh, those that complete their Ironman uh, race, uh, there's certainly none in town church as uh, I've been informed as I look around too. That's a bit harsh, isn't it? Sorry. Um, But but the Ironman tattoo goes on the calf uh, of the individual. It's a sign that you've completed the Ironman. It's not that the sign enables you to do it. It's not special power. It's simply a sign that it has been done. It's been completed. And Paul is saying to the Jews, that was simply a sign for the people of God. Faith, not in what you do. Faith, not in who you are. And so verses 13 to 25, the theme of faith continues. You see, it is such a big thing for Paul. Faith is so crucial for Paul and therefore it has to be a big thing for us. It just must be. Paul spends so much time helping the Christians in Rome to understand faith. Not in what it is per se, but in the object of it. What is faith in? See, the devil wants us to put our trust in anything but the one who says, you're justified. I give you a righteous standing through the death of my son. The devil will do all he can to stop you and I from trusting in that truth. And Paul keeps hammering it home. I'm sure you've recognised That he's hammering it home. It's faith. How are we going to split up uh, these verses? Let's go verses 13 uh, to 15. And then uh, we'll do 15 to 18. And then 19 to 25. Um, Let's see what Paul uh, is teaching us. Faith in the law only brings wrath. Look at verse 13. It was not through the law... That Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world. But through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing. And the promise is worthless because the law brings wrath. And where there is law, no law, there is no transgression. The Jewish, Jewish objectors 
found in the small house churches in Rome. Paul is saying, why so much faith in the law you've been taught? Of course it wasn't through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise. Of course it wasn't. How could it be? The law came centuries after the promise was given to Abraham. And we've learnt about the law so far in Romans. Do you remember? We've learnt that the law is good. The law's not bad. The law is good in so much that it is from God. In so much that it points to the way that we were designed to live with our heavenly Father, our Creator God. And in so much in it points to how we're to live with one another. The, one another. the law is good in so much that it is from God. But the law is not so good if you put your trust in it to save you, says Paul. Because our hearts are dark and we cannot follow the law. What have we learned so far in Romans? We've learned that the law shows us our need of something external to save us. Not our moral standing, not our following of the law. The law brings wrath. Why? Because God's righteous anger against, is, is against all that is set up against him. And the law shows that we are lawbreakers. Our hearts are set up against God. See, faith in the law only brings wrath. I think since Christmas we've hammered this point home. Do you agree? I see a few nods. I see pens writing furiously and then thinking, I've written this ten times before, since Christmas. Why does Paul keep going on about it? I think it's so similar for me. Because I still trust in my ability. I still trust in my moral standing before God. I still trust in my good works. I do. I do. And I know you're all looking at me thinking, well, you're an idiot. <laughs> Don't. But you know, as I look on you, I think you do too. There's a tendency to trust your good works. There's a tendency to get to the end of the day and as your head hits the pillar and you think, oh my, good day today. God, I've done all right today. I've worked hard and I've read my Bible and I've said my prayers and I've done a kind deed for my friend and I've even given an unexpected gift of a, 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 an Xbox to somebody. <laughs> Vinny, that's not a pop at you, you know that. And your head hits the pearl and you think, that's good, God will be pleased. And it's wrong. Do you know why God's pleased with you? Because of Jesus. That's why God is pleased with you. That's why God is pleased with me. And I forget it so easily. So Paul with the Christians in Rome keeps going on. And I and Johnny and Cy keep going on as we teach God's word through. And when we get to December, you'll all be delighted. We'll be out of Romans and into a new series. But until then, we're stuck in Romans. And maybe, just maybe in December we'll go, God, I got it. My head hits the pillow and all I do is trust in Jesus. I'm going to thank him. 
not reflect on how good or bad I've been. Faith in the law only brings wrath, says Paul. Look, verses 15 to 18, or 16 to 18, sorry. Faith in the promise of grace brings life. Let's read verse 16. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of all of us. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. And against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. You see, the object of Abraham's faith was the promise of God. That's what he put his trust in. Against all hope, Paul writes, Abraham trusted in God's grace, in the gift. And Paul's saying, look, it's grace to those under the law, the Jew. That's the Jew, those under the law. It's not those who follow it, who are righteous. It's those under the law, the Jew. And grace to those outside of the law, the Gentile. A free, unmerited, wonderful gift. Abraham had faith in the promise of grace that brings life. He trusted in the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. You know, that's you. That, that's me. Ephesians 2 talks about this brilliantly. Paul in another letter writes, But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. See what he does? He calls into being things that were not. I once was not a child of God, but now I am. How so? By grace, by a gift. And against all hope, Abraham in hope, believed and so became the father of many nations. Against all hope, Abraham believed in the gift of God, the promise of God. And we see what Abraham's trust was in, in a moment. But for us, it's in the new life that we've been given. You see what God has done? Do you see that you were dead and he's given you life? If you trust in him, if you don't trust in him, the Bible says that you're still dead in sins, dead in transgressions. And it is only by grace, trusting in the free gift, trusting in the promise of God, that if you do trust in him, then he brings new life. He brings Forgiveness for sins. What a time to be alive if you're in Christ. If you're a Christian. A 
Faith in the law only brings wrath. Faith in the promise of grace brings life. And then 19 to 25, as we look at Abraham and we see this case study unfold, strong faith equals trust in spite of the seemingly impossibility of the promise. I wonder where you go. Who do you go to when you think of an example of faith? Someone who has lasted the course, who has kept trusting in the promises of God to the very end. Have you got anyone in mind? Maybe a grandparent who trusted in Jesus to the very, very end. Maybe a good friend no longer with us here on this earth, but trusted in the promises of God right up to death. Trust in the promises of God for heaven. I think that person for me, whoever it is for you, keep them in mind. It is my Nana. Nana Lanky, we used to call her. I just think she was only four foot 12, uh, but she's still got that nickname. Do you know... Wonderful going on holidays. I think my mum and dad used to cart me off to Bedford, not far from here. Week with Nana Lanky. Most annoying habits. Pulling back the curtains at the break of dawn, singing, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Not in a lovely voice either. Quite a croaky, old lady's voice. Uh, And annoyingly, uh, as a teenager, thinking it was the break of dawn, it was probably about half past ten and my Nana had given up all patience and so in her desperation to wake me up. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. I know she prayed for me every day. Every day. 11 o'clock, just after I think 100 best tunes on Radio 4. And she prayed for all the grandchildren by name. And she was wonderfully patient. And she was wonderfully kind. And she was generous. And she trusted in Jesus to the very end, to her final breath. That's my example of faith, of long-lasting faith, of enduring faith. And here's Paul and he's looking at the case study of Abraham as an example of faith. Look at verse 19. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Look, the promise seemed impossible. God said, your, your line, your heritage, it, it's going to be like the stars in the sky, Abraham. Look at them. And yet he was 100 years old and his wife's womb was barren. And so indeed, humanly speaking, it was impossible. And yet, what was his trust in? It was in the promise. Look at verse 20. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. He held fast. He did not waver. He did not wobble. He just kept trusting. He kept the promise of God before himself. But but look, just in case we get a warped view of Abraham and how good he was at faith and how good he was at trusting. Look, he was strengthened. Did you see those words? He was strengthened in verse 20. As he held fast, look who was holding him fast. He was strengthened 
by God. He was enabled to continue holding to the promise. It was God who was holding him fast. I've had four days in Malta, got back on Friday night. Some of the young Christians in sports staff. On the Thursday night, final evening, there was a, a, a karaoke bit of a little party for everyone that we were uh, training uh, and uh, of course the, uh, the, the chat was going round, what's your karaoke song? I'm actually going to give you 30 seconds, turn to the person next to you, your go-to karaoke song, what is it? Just tell the person next to you straight away, go on 30 seconds, I'll give you. <laughs> Uh, okay, okay, hold there. Uh, good, I can only imagine uh, looking out at you. I can only guess uh, what some of your karaoke songs will be your go-to if you had one karaoke song. Uh, just looking around, smiling to myself. But there, of course, all the, uh, the young Christians in sports staff with, you know, throwing out um, uptown funk and uh, all that kind of stuff. And, and it, it, one or two of the older ones, Living on a Prayer, American Pie, you know, those go-to karaoke songs. And then, of course, the younger Christians in sports staff were giggling away. <laughs> Do you know what Lanx's will be? He will hold me fast. <laughs> And they thought it was very funny. They thought it was very funny. But I was all right with that. Because here's the song, and you know it's my favorite. He will hold me fast. Look what happens when I trust in God's promises. When I trust in his promises with frail faith sometimes. He then holds me. I'm strengthened by him. And look what Abraham did. He, he, he gives glory to God. He made much of God. That, that just means he makes much of him. He celebrates him. It, it means that Abraham treasured him. He savoured him. He learned to love him. You and I will be fully persuaded by the power of God to do all he promises that he will will be fully persuaded as we hold on to him, knowing that he strengthens us to keep trusting in his promises. Verse 21, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. We've talked so much about faith. We know that faith has no inherent value apart from its object. We know that. Paul Little, an author, writes, A strong faith in a weak bridge will not bridge the gulf, but a weak faith in a strong bridge will get you to the other side. Do you see that? Do you, do you get holding on? Hold on to the promise as he's holding on to you. And can I ask which of God's promises... Which of God's promises to you are you finding hardest to trust in today? Is it his abounding and rich love for you? He really does love you. 
Do you need to rehearse that today? Is it his guarantee that what he has started in you, he will bring to completion? Do you doubt that you're his? That he will finish? That he will take you home? Do you doubt his forgiveness of every sin and liberation from all guilt? It's a promise in God's word. Your sins have been forgiven, past, present, future. Freedom from all guilt. Do you doubt his faithfulness that he will take you home on that last day like he did with Abraham, like he did with Nana Lanky? What things of the world are you holding on to that replace God's promises? I've got to ask that question regularly for myself. What is it? What replaces the great promises of God where I, I, I waver? I waver in my faith in the promises of God because I, I trust in what the world has to offer. What is that? A dream home? A marriage? Career promotion? A, a, a child? It usually can be, it can be found in whatever we daydream about, what we spend our, our time thinking about. Good things. Good, good things. But they're not the promises that God says he will keep. He will keep. Today might be a good time to apply this to mums in the room. Well done, mums. Keep on. It's so sacrificial being a mum. And I'm sure it's easy to forget, to lose sight of the promises of God. As you look around and perhaps if you've got young children, the world just seems to be passing you by. You're just holding on. I read a quote today from a blog around Mother's Day. It said this, I need to remind myself, wrote the blogger, that I am not justified by how much I can do or how much I can give to my children. God is kind. He saves me by his grace. He meets me in my weakness and failure and loves me still. Christ is enough. Hold on to the promises of God. Look, let's, let's finish verses 22. Look, the blessing of righteousness flowed out. Verse 22, this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. These words were written for us. See, Abraham trusted God for a son. A son that would start the promise of generations like stars in the sky. Abraham trusted God for a son. See who we trust in? We trust in God for his son. Verse 25, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. See, we've got the righteousness of the son. It's ours, a right standing before God and God looks on us and he says, you're my child and I love you. You're mine and I'll keep you. You're mine and I will not let you go. Keep trusting. We're going to sing a song that talks about a God who 
is faithful and can be trusted. These words of the last verse that we'll sing, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, gracious saviour of my ruined life, my guilt and cross laid on your shoulders. In my place you suffered, bled and died. And you rose, the grave and death are conquered. You broke my bonds of sin and shame. You rose, the grave and death are conquered. You broke my bonds of sin and shame. Shall we stand and sing uh, of the God who will keep us, who is faithful to his promises?